Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we have the opportunity to reflect upon the life and thought of Pope Francis. Uh, by life, I mean where he's in the news, and the thought, I mean his... Uh, first work, The Joy of the Gospel, his exhortation, where we've been kind of navigating bit by bit uh, his words, and really kind of the vision for the church as it relates to the new evangelization, and of course how the joy of the gospel, the joy of the good news rests at the center. And as always, I do this with Bob Crosso. Bob, it is uh, good to have you with me again another night. Thanks, Joe. Wonderful to be here. So, Bob, uh, as I speak of the life of Pope Francis, where he's in the news, you know, this past week, uh, certainly there's been a few things uh, that he's been in the news and things t- to discuss. The very busy Pope. Yeah. Pope is, um, you know, um, as all popes are busy, but it seems like this one is portrayed to be especially busy because of all the media attention that he gets. Yeah. And, you know, I can't help but um, just... Think about, you know, the, an article that was published on newadvent.org this past weekend on the 11th where Monsignor Charles Pope was discussing, you know, um, how Pope Francis tends to be, and he even uses the word pigeonholed at yeah. times, yeah. Uh, by the progressives as being liberal. And um, I know we've, we've talked about how the media portrays this man and how, you know, to really understand who he is and what he's all about, um, you have to get into, you know, what he actually says, what he writes, how he thinks, how he believes, and, and how the Spirit drives him. And, and you can really see a certain amount of, of continuity, as we keep saying each and every week, with these off-the-cuff or ad-lib, you know, um, impromptu sometimes, you know, sound bites that yeah. he gives. And, you know, the, again, the media loves to portray him into what they would like for him to be. They would like for him to think of him, that he's going to be this pope of uh, Washington Post is who Monsignor Pope is talking about in his article. Recently, you know, published his article, and they, it, there's some misquotes, you know, mm-hmm. and there's some um, interpretations of what he's saying that um, allows them to kind of paint him as this pope that's going to be of change, that he's yeah. going to be changing the church. Yeah, And without getting into too many specifics, again, it falls right in line with something we talk about each and every week, and that's that this is a pope that is ve- he's very, very affable and approachable, and of course he's, he's willing to speak to anybody. And everybody has, and uh, the media especially, you know, is, is very, very consistent in their, <laughs> their way of trying to, again, paint him as someone that they would like him to be rather than who he may actually be. Yeah, as you're talking there, Bob, one of the things that stands out to me is the way in which uh, we isolate words out of their original context so as to fit a particular narrative. Uh, certainly Washington, the Washington Post and other 
newspapers are caught up in a particular political narrative. And it, you know, we use the word, Bob, uh, liberal, conservative, um, you know, Republican, Democrat, left-wing, right-wing, but what does all of that really mean? You know, what does it mean to say, for example, orthodox? You know, orthodox is that worshiping in truth. And when we place our orthodox worship first, before anything else, and we aspire towards truth itself, that will form and inform what it means to be a faithful citizen in the United States of America. Far too often, our political affiliations are forming our understanding of the teachings of the Church as opposed to the divine revelation of Jesus Christ and how that forms our political affiliation. We have to be careful about how we go about discerning these truths and how we are called to be uh, a better citizen in the United States of America, a more faithful citizen in the United States of America. So yeah, in regards to the media, as you were talking about it, Bob, I mean, Pope Francis called out the sins of the media. And the greatest sin, he said, is misinformation. He was calling out the media here in the United States of America who objectively speaking, objectively speaking, was isolating his words out of context and putting it into their own narrative. All you have to do is go back to some of his first words where he was talking about the importance of how we judge people. You know, what did he say? Well, we do not judge what we do not see. And everyone took that and gave it a specific context. Well, what else did he say? We judge what we see. Right. We judge what we see. There's subjective truth and there's objective truth. So certainly there's a lot to be had there. And, you know, Bob, there is a whole section on in this document, Joy of the Gospel, where he gets into um, social justice. And I am reserving, I'm holding my tongue right now to <laughs> not get into some of that because we're going to have a whole working context to really break open some of these words that the secular media is taking and presenting them to be something that they are not. Uh, but again, this is why we do what we do here, to actually get into the words themselves and to appreciate them for what they are. And by the grace of God, Bob, go you and I. And with that, you know, so where are we at? Enjoy the gospel. Paragraphs 46 and following. We're kind of coming up, Bob, on the tail end of, of chapter one. And before we get into paragraph 46, the section that talks about Holy Mother Church uh, and and her need to have an open heart. You know, it was just a few days ago where he ordained 13 new priests. I believe 11 right. from the Diocese of Rome and then two missionaries, one from Vietnam and maybe one from Pakistan. Right. Anyhow, in this homily, he really emphasized mercy, mercy, mercy. He really emphasized that the that you, the priest, need to be focused in on this great gift that God has entrusted you with mercy in the sacrament of confession. Uh, I've heard people tell me, this is Pope Francis talking, I've heard people tell me that you, the priest, say uh, you should be thrashed from the confessional. It's like, well, that's kind of strong language. He says, don't do that. Stern, he says, don't do that. People need Mercy, And so he was challenging the newly ordained priests to enter in 
to how in the sacrament of confession they are in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, and the power of that uh, vocation of the priesthood when it comes to administering this sacrament of mercy, the sacrament of, of confession. Now, I talk about that uh, homily, Bob, because in paragraph 46, he really calls the church out, in the subsequent paragraphs, he calls the church out to be open, to be a church of mercy, as we've talked about it. But he does something else here, and I want to read it because I really believe it's a salient point for us to discuss, and that's this idea of slowing down. He says, A church which goes forth is a church whose doors are open. Going out to others in order to reach the fringes of humanity does not mean rushing aimlessly into the world. Often it is better simply to slow down, to put aside our eagerness in order to see and listen to others, to stop rushing from one thing to another, and to remain with someone who has faltered along the way. At times, we have to be like the father of the prodigal son, who always keeps his door open so that when the son returns, he can readily pass through it. So what's going on here, Bob? Well, first and foremost, he's calling us to slow down. You know, earlier when I was reflecting upon this paragraph, a question came up in both my mind and heart. What if we knew today was going to be our last day? Would we live our day differently? I mean, what does our day look like when we don't really think about it? Do we just rush out of bed? take a quick shower, eat a quick breakfast, go to work without saying hello to anyone, rush through our morning commitments, go through a drive through without even saying hello to anyone we know, get back to work only to rush you know, hurriedly through all of our afternoon commitments. Maybe we, get, we, we see some uh, phone calls coming in and we say to ourselves, well, maybe I should take that phone call. Well, I'm not going to worry about it because I've got too many other things to do. Maybe one of your coworkers or a number of your coworkers come to you and they want to talk to you about something that's going on in their life, but you just kind of shove them away because you've got too many things to do. You come home, you eat a quick dinner, you don't say hello to your kids, you go back into your, your man's cave and you watch sports all evening and into the night, you go to bed without really engaging anything or anyone. You just lived a whole day, but you didn't really live a whole day. If we were to slow down, certainly... Our day would start in prayer, knowing, knowing that it was going to be our last morning offering. We would spend time with our wife and kids, Bob, before we went off to work. Maybe we made breakfast for our wife and kids. We went out of our way to do something different. We, we not only drop our kid, kids off at school, but we spend time speaking with some of the parents, getting to know them more. We still make it to work on time because you've managed your morning well. And when you're at work... You go at a pace in which you can receive the people who come to you with their needs. And you see the most important thing is not a thing but a person. The person who's come to you, come to you asking you to listen to them. And for, for your lunch, you go to lunch and, and what do you do? You say hello to, to, the, to the people that hand you your food. And you make a point to reach out to that person. How is your day going? Your afternoon looks much like your morning. You're at a nice rhythm and pace. You allow people into your life. You get to know people more. You come home. 
You ask your kids about the day. You ask your wife, how was your day? You tell her you love her. You don't go off into your man's cave, but what do you do? You spend more time with your wife and kids. You, you read with them. You pray with them. You do all the things that you would do if today was your last day. Bob, I think it would look a lot different. Well, and you think about it, all around it can could, it could happen just at the, at the snap of a finger. You know, I mean, in, a, in a less than a heartbeat, you know, we could be gone. Look at this past weekend and a couple of tragedies that took place. You know, this balloon accident, this hot air balloon with these people from the University of uh, Virginia, Richmond, I think, is yeah. where they were. Right, Richmond, yep. Yeah. And um, I don't know exactly what the quote was, but I heard about it on the radio earlier today that one of the women, well, the associate basketball, or uh, she was a coach. Yeah. She actually, they had, it was recording just before this, the, the hot air balloon ran into some electrical lines and those don't go together very well. Yeah. And as this balloon was coming down, she was heard to say, oh my God, oh my Jesus, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine what that would be like when you know, hey, I'm dying right now. And this yeah. is a young woman. Yeah. And yeah. likewise, there was a, a professional golf. It was a, it was a, it was a, a, a caddy, 52 years old. He mm-hmm. dies of a heart attack on the golf course during yeah. a golf tournament. 52 and in good shape. And yeah. boom, he's, he's dead. Yeah. And that could happen to any one of us at any, one at, 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 at any time. And not to be morbid about it, but it drives home the point that at any one time, it could be our last breath. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't wake up that, that morning, that day, getting prepared for that to be our last day, what are we going to do? How are we going to face that instantaneous moment when we know, okay, this is it. Yeah, I'm going to be in front of Jesus here shortly. I mean, to throw out that question, how would we live uh, if we knew it was our last day? It's, it's a provocative question, but this is what the gospel calls us to do. To live each and every day as this gift, as if it is all we had. I mean, what does our Lord say in the Sermon on the Mount? Do not worry about tomorrow. Are not today's worries enough for today? Just focus on the present. And that's the essence of all of Christendom, Bob, the present, the present as a gift. You know, if we embraced our vocation for what it is, we would embrace each and every moment as a gift from God. And it would change the way in which we interact with one another. It would change, Bob, the way in which we drive from point A to point B. We would slow down. If we took a deep breath and just kind of looked around us, we would see what Pope Francis is talking about. Those who are most in need. And then, as God would have it, those who are most in need would begin to minister to us. Mm-hmm. And they minister to us in unexpected ways. When we encounter those people who we don't have in our planners or our iPads or iPhones, no, they're not there. But God sees them before that day starts. And when we allow that encounter to become what it needs to be, one that is full of life and love and its mutual self-gift, we discover Jesus Christ in a whole new and profound way. Yeah, the Holy Father is, you know, the joy of the gospel. His exhortation that we, we're, we're, we're studying and that we're, we're, we're traveling. I mean, it's like a pilgrimage going through this document. That, <clears throat> yet, I mean, the joy is, joy is something you have to slow down to actually 
realize or to, to experience. You can't be in a hurry and really have really true joy mm-hmm. when you think about it. And that's what this Pope keeps talking about. I mean, all the time, you know, I mean, in the business world, for instance, you hear ROI, return on investment. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times do we think, okay, well, you know, it really doesn't mean anything back to me from the standpoint of investing a little time in someone, so I think I'll move on, you know, because it doesn't, I mean, it's the greatest form of, of, of self-absorption mm-hmm. in today's world. And everybody's given a pass for that, it seems. Like, okay, what is the ROI? I mean, if I'm really working, if I'm, if I'm living my life as if today was my last day, I guarantee you my investment and my time would be a lot more different. Yeah, it typically is. It's interesting. We read in Paul's epistles, uh, when you start translating the Greek, baptism as a down payment, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that the gifts we receive in this chief sacrament of baptism are like a down payment. And we need to give back all that we are. I mean, so our investment is our very life and what we do with it. And so I think it really hits upon what you're saying. And this is what he talks about. If you were to drop down into paragraph 48, you know, he's really calling out uh, all of us to serve those who are most in need without exception. And so, so often we, we blow by those who are most in need, especially the poor, the sick, the marginalized, as he talks about it. And he says, Bob, <laughs> quoting Luke 14, 14, go to those who especially cannot repay you. So, yeah, I mean, he's really hitting at the core of what we're talking about. You know, there's been a lot of discussion in the news and with Pope Francis as it relates to his vision of uh, capitalism or entrepreneurship. What did he just say today? He said today that all you entrepreneurs, these are the words of Pope Francis, all you entrepreneurs exercise that spirit of entrepreneurship Did you hear that? Exercise that spirit of entrepreneurship, but do it in solidarity and prayer that God may open you up to the ways in which he wants you to use your gifts and especially do it in solidarity with the poor. Where in that statement is he against capitalism, you know, definitively? Want to know what else he said, Bob? He talked about the importance of entrepreneurs to work with the private sector. Right? right, right. This is our current Holy Father. This is what Pope Francis is saying. And why do I bring this into play? Because when he talks about being in solidarity with the poor, he's simply saying, hey, those of you who are making money, don't just give from what you have. Give from what you don't have. Oh, by the way, Bob, before we call this Pope as a Pope unlike any other, St. John Paul II said the exact same thing at Yankee Stadium in 1981. Oh, by the way, okay, he had a heart for the poor. And here is a man who encouraged, you know, for us to look at the ways in which the United States of America operates in its economic system. There's good things here. And Pope Francis is the same. There's been a lot of misinterpretation out there. So when he's talking about being in solidarity with the poor— He's not downgrading the entrepreneurial spirit. No, he sees that as a good thing. He's just saying, be in prayer, be in solidarity with the poor. And here we go again with another misquote from this past week, as far as the media is concerned. There was, uh, again, uh, 
um, a, a, a writer who, I, I think it was CNN actually, that, that described um, Pope Francis was saying there should be you know, a certain opportunity, that wealth is a good thing, and, and it gives you the opportunity to be able to help other people out and provide them economic benefit. Yeah. Well, they dubbed in you know, uh, wealth or yeah. instead of economic benefit, yeah. which is an entirely different you know, interpretation of what it was, was saying. Again, he's talking about economic benefit, which means your opportunity to be able to help people is enhanced by your ability, your entrepreneurship, yeah. to make the world better. Yeah. Entrepreneurs give us more jobs. <laughs> you know, right. entrepreneurs in the world of supply and demand and the industry, especially in the United States of America, and we need a, a jump start right now, it's a good thing. And Pope Francis is not condemning it. He's encouraging it. Not condemning it, but encouraging it. He's simply saying, hey, look at the way the early church lived. They were helping those who were most in need, according to their need. Okay, so this is very important, and certainly this is what is going on right now in these paragraphs. He's really highlighting uh, us to be in solidarity with those who are most in need. He has a great line here, um, Bob. Uh, there is an inseparable bond between our faith and the poor. May we never abandon them. And he really points out the poor and the sick, those usually despised and overlooked, those, like you said earlier, that cannot repay you. Again, yeah. talk about a return on investment. You know, you shouldn't look for one. There doesn't need to be a return. Yeah, and you know, we we give according to what we can get back. A lot of what we do, because we've been trained to think a certain way, um, it's it's calculated. It's measured by es essentially what we can get out of it. I mean, when you start talking about money, imagine if we were to go into a church and say, Bob, you and I, we're going to do a parish mission come this next Advent. And we give our um, pitch Sunday evening at the last Mass, and we say to the first 400 people that show up, each one of you will get $500. How many people do you think would show up? Quite a few. <laughs> yeah. That church would be full. And I'm sure they would be disappointed when I didn't have a single dollar, when I didn't give them any kind of return on their investment of time, right? <laughs> but it's, it's just the way we think. Bob, we would jump at the opportunity to receive that money. But what about the spiritual goods? Do we carve out time in our day? Do we give an investment in our time so that we might grow, not in just our material wealth, but also our spiritual wealth, which is in the end far more important. Right. We think a certain way, and in that thinking, it, uh, it has a tendency to take us away from what God is asking from us. Bob, I wanted to highlight something from some of these closing paragraphs in chapter 1, and that's the fact that our Holy Father notes this openness we are called to have is like that of the father of the prodigal son. And I love that image, and it's a very important image. So I wanted to go back to one verse, Luke 15, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So 
what our Holy Father is talking about in this sentence when he says, at times we have to be like the father of the prodigal son who always keeps his door open so that when the son returns, he can readily pass through it. We have to have the vision of God, which is an awareness of everything and everyone around you. And we can only do that if we have the door of our hearts open to all those around us. Was the door of the house of the prodigal father open? Maybe, maybe not. But what we do know is that he saw him. Was it through a window? Maybe he was outside the door. But certainly he saw him because he was waiting for him. He was looking for him. And this is really what this is about, Bob. As a church, we have to be ready and willing to run to those who are most in need. Now, the prodigal father did not wait for his son to come to him. He ran to him. And the spirit of evangelization goes out. What did our Lord say? I send you forth. In fact, even the word apostle means to be sent forth. This is why Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI said the church exists for evangelization. The church exists for evangelization. And this is what our Holy Father is hammering home here, Bob, that we need to exist so as to evangelize. We need to be going out to those who are most in need. And those include those who are on the margins. He has this great line as one of his more... uh, one of his more famous lines in paragraph 49, he says, I prefer a church which is bruised, hurting, and dirty because it has been out on the streets, rather than a church which is unhealthy from being confined and from clinging to its own security. I do not want a church concerned with being at the center in which then ends by being caught up in a web of obsessions and procedures. Right? He is talking about all those who belong to Holy Mother Church, to begin to reorient their lives so that we might see evangelization at its center, that we might bring people into the fold so that they may one day receive our Lord in the Eucharist and have that new relationship with, with our Lord in the sacrament of the Eucharist. Oh, absolutely. And you think about you know, the church, you think about new evangelization, what our Holy Father is, is exhorting us to to do and as you, as you just stated the, the prodigal son is just an incredible visual so to speak of, of what love is really all about love doesn't just stay and it doesn't wait mm-hmm. love reaches out it reaches forth it comes out you can't contain it mm-hmm. if there's real true love that's involved and that's really at the heart yeah. of everything that the church what the new evangelization is all about yeah so pope francis is really focused on yeah. Love is about communion. Love is about being caught up in, in relationship, in, in this idea of total self-gift. Uh, yeah, I, I think you, say, you speak to it well there, Bob, as you talk about it, it. It cannot contain itself. I think that's a wrap here, Bob. What we're going to do uh, next week is we'll begin to uh, get into chapter 2. Let us close in prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, and God bless you. You've been listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at j-h-o-l-l-j-m-j at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.